0: If you've enjoyed listening to Issues Etc. in 2023, please make a year-end gift to support this worldwide outreach. For a year-end donation of $250 or more, we'll send you our forthcoming book, Objections Overruled 3, answering arguments against Christianity, and a new recording of 15 hymns featuring the Lutheran Public Radio Choir. You can make a secure online contribution today at issuesetc.org. Thanks for listening, and thanks for your support at the end of 2023. How in the world did this ideology that gender is not something fixed, but in fact something that is fluid, that can change from time to time, from person to person over the course of your life, You get to decide, literally get to decide what your gender is, and everyone else should necessarily go along with what you think your gender is. Where did this come from, and how did it catch on so fast? Welcome back to Issues Cetera. It's time to answer that argument against Christianity, that gender is fluid. Pastor Andrew Packer joins us. He's Associate Pastor at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Collinsville, Illinois, author of a chapter in our forthcoming book, Objections Overruled Three. Pastor Packer, welcome. Thanks for having me on again, Todd. You quote from St. Anthony regarding the madness of the times. What is that quote and how does it apply today?
1: Yeah, he said, a time is coming when men will go mad. When they see someone who is not mad, they will attack him saying, you are mad, you are not like us. And I think we see that all around us every day. We have, especially with this issue of gender fluidity and people changing their gender, pretending to be. A man if they're a woman or a woman if they're a man is a mark of that insanity. And then those of us who say, wait a minute, the emperor has no clothes. We're labeled as mad and insane, even though we're just trying to call a thing what it is. Chesterton had a similar kind of quote, right? That There will come a day when we'll have to debate with people whether a triangle has three sides, whether the grass is green and the sky is blue. And we're living in that insanity right now.
0: What are the ideas the main ideas behind the sexual revolution. In my chapter, I try to sum it up this way because I think it's helpful, at least for me,
1: like the philosophical ideas behind these things are are long and complicated, but the two ideas that stand out to me are first that your feelings are the center of the universe. That is this whole idea of follow your heart. We see that in countless movies, even children's movies, that's a big theme, follow your heart. And then second, you have the will and the power To do whatever your heart desires and so if you put those two things together you have the perfect storm for people who say well what i really desire is to be opposite of what my body is and now with technology and other things it's really easy to make that happen so i have the will and power to bring these things about if i take enough hormones if i chop up my body i can make this
0: a reality how are these ideologies of today really part of a demonic plan. Since the beginning,
1: we've seen that Satan has hated God's creation. He hates God's created order. And some, the church fathers sometimes talk about him being jealous of mankind, knowing God's plan for mankind or things like that, but he's constantly attacking the created order, the hierarchy that God has put into creation. He's attacking God's design of male and female. He's been doing it since the beginning. As I quote from a book, it's good to be a man, There's not so much a war between the sexes as a war on the sexes. And this is something Satan's doing against us. He wants us to think it's a war between the sexes, but really he's attacking the sexes to try to demolish them and flatten them out to get rid of God's created order.
0: Are these current distorted ideas of human sexuality anything new?
1: No, it's really interesting. I didn't come across some of this information until just a couple years ago. Dr. Peter Jones has a wonderful paper, Androgyny, The Pagan Sexual Ideal, and he points out in there that these ideas have been around in paganism from the beginning, that you often had at all these different pagan sites and temples and all of these places of worship that you would have men being castrated and being considered female priestesses. You would have this destruction of differences between men and women, although they kept it largely in ancient times within their pagan worship. They didn't really put this upon society. In some ways they were wiser than us, they knew it would destroy society. So they kept it in their worship and yet we still see it there. In every ancient civilization you have this idea of having this androgynous priest who was supposed to be closer to God than everyone else. He was supposed to be the one who would bring you spiritual enlightenment And that's even come down to today. We have some current writings where people talk about someone who is either homosexual or trans actually being closer to God than the rest of us.
0: How is the idea of gender fluidity? How is that a direct challenge to God's created order? Yeah, well,
1: God says very clearly there's male and there's female, that he created them male and female. And this idea of being gender fluid, which we should distinguish, right? So, Sex itself is biological, and there's still some who will acknowledge that, but they would say gender is a social construct. So yeah, your biology may say one thing, but you can be whatever you want to be. You can change that because it's just a social construct. As God says, no, I created you to be a male, and here's what that means for you in my word, or I created you to be a female. Here's what that means for you in my word and why I did this for you and why it's good this argument comes along and says, no, those creation distinctions don't matter. In fact, they're getting in your way of being who you truly are. Who you are on the inside matters more than the body God gave you. And so it's an attack really of the created order and the gift of our bodies. It's an attack against what God has given us in our bodies, whether that makes us male or female, who he's made us to be. Satan says, we're gonna confuse that and attack that and destroy that so that no one knows what's up or down, left or right anymore.
0: Is it any coincidence that many Christians are abandoning the biblical creation account or at least compromising it just as we need it most to combat gender ideology? Yeah, that's a great question. I think there's an obvious correlation here, right? That
1: the more that we move away from the foundation of God's word as the foundation of our reality, that seeing as he attacks those things makes it easier to confuse everybody. So that even Christians themselves are being seduced by some of these lies because they don't have that foundation. They don't know what it means for God to be both creator and redeemer. And so as we lose those core teachings, it makes it easier for us to slip into madness, not just as a culture, but even in the church. Because we see more and more in the church, well-meaning Christians struggling with well, I wanna be loving. So isn't it loving to call them by this name they wanna go by or to treat them as a woman, even though I know they're a man. And so we've lost sight of God's foundational truths. And so we have a hard time speaking
0: clearly on these issues. What role do social media play in the propagation of this gender ideology? Yeah, social media plays a massive role. It's
1: one of the key components to spreading this. If you look, there's places whether it's YouTube or Instagram or even whole websites like one called DeviantArt where this message is pushed and pushed and pushed. And often it's framed in a very interesting way. They say, look, we know you're struggling with these things. Here's the only way to make it better. The only way to make this better is if you go through this process of taking hormones, of denying your physical reality of what your body is. You must go down this path. And so these influencers come along and walk beside these largely kids and say, you need us to get you through this. And if you don't do what we say, it's going to turn out badly for you. And part of that is they will tell them on these sites, your parents, your pastors, anyone who tells you you shouldn't do this is an enemy and you need to cut them out of your lives.
0: Why does this gender ideology target girls especially?
1: It's a little strange, if you look before 2012, there were zero girls that wanted to transition to be boys. And that number, as we know, has skyrocketed. And Abigail Schreier in her book, she has a lot to say about this, and I would point people in that direction. Her book, Irreversible Damage, is very helpful on this. But one of the things we've seen, girls as they're going through puberty, like Abigail Schreier points this out, like their hormones are such a mess and it's very difficult to go through, that as they struggle with these things, as they struggle with these natural changes that should be occurring, as they struggle with what their body's going through, some of them hate their bodies. They say, this is too difficult, this is too hard. I need a way out. And so they end up in these websites and these social media places, and they're getting led into dangerous territory. And it starts with a very simple thing. It's just hard going through this change. And I don't know why girls are being targeted more than boys, although the numbers seem to indicate that, but it does seem to have something to do with the struggle girls are going through as they go through puberty that seems to be greater than what the boys are going through.
0: You say that we need to return to the foundations of our faith in order to respond to gender ideology. What does that mean? First, I think it gets back to understanding
1: that God created the universe, that he made us male and female, that what God has created is good that God made us as an embodied soul. And that's a phrase from Dr. John Kleinick that he talks about in his book, On the Body. And he says that we must keep this in mind that we're an embodied mind and mindful body that you can't separate the inner you from your body. Body and soul, you are one person. And that the fact that God gave you this body actually matters for how you live your life. And then coupled with that understanding of the body is understanding that for a Christian, We're baptized into Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus, our baptism gives us our identity. It tells us who we are. It gives us security. It lets us know that we are safe and sound in him. And it gives us meaning to our life. So if we understand who we are from God's created order and who we are in his redeemed order, then it can help us navigate these tricky waters.
0: How is God's given order of sex key to God's redemption of mankind? We're at Christmas time. So it's, a, it's an
1: interesting question, right? God sent Jesus in the flesh and he sent him as a little baby boy. And the more we try to move away from the reality of what God has done in the flesh, we're also attacking right, his incarnation. because so we're saying none of that matters ultimately, but we confess very clearly in the creeds, we confess based on scripture, on our confessions, that Jesus Christ took on flesh and he became a little baby boy and he grew up and he was a man, and that as the God man, he suffered and died for us and rose again for us to redeem us body and soul, that he's redeeming our bodies and all the flaws and everything that comes with them, and he's redeeming us as a whole person. And that's the answer ultimately to all of these questions is that God created us and redeemed us body and soul, and that that's going to triumph over all of the gender ideology. How do we
0: help those who are sexually confused?
1: I think the first thing we have to do is love them with the love of Christ, which I know is kind of sounds like a cliche answer, but so many of these people are struggling and they're struggling in secret in quiet because Satan likes to hide in the dark. And so you have these people that are struggling with these sins, they're struggling with this confusion and they don't tell anyone about it because they're afraid to. And then what happens is they cut themselves off from those who could help them And then ultimately what happens with that is they're cut off from those who could love them and give them good advice. And they're led astray by those who are pushing them in a dangerous, deadly path. And so when we come along, we need to be able to say, look, we know you're confused. We know you're hurting. We know you don't know how to process this, but we're here to help. Let us show you what the Bible says. Maybe we need to help get them a good Christian counselor who can walk them through these things as well. Get them good pastoral care but push them in that direction. And something related to this that I think is really important right now is there's already parents right now who are watching their kids go through this. They're watching their children harm themselves They're watching their children take hormones that they shouldn't be taking. And we need to be able to come alongside those parents and say, we're here for you too. Because a lot of parents in this position right now think it's all their fault. Like they tried everything they could do to raise their child up in the faith. I just saw an article recently online by an anonymous author about this very thing. They raised their kid in the faith, everything looked great. And then all of a sudden their kid is wanting to transition to the opposite sex. And they said, what do we do? Where do we go wrong? And of course, as parents, we have lots of sins we need to repent of as we try to raise our children, but they couldn't pinpoint any one thing that would lead to this. So I think we need to come alongside these parents and, support them and love them too and say, we're here for you, how can we help? Not put more guilt and burden on them, but ask them what do they need as they wrestle and try to help their children.
0: There are many in transgender activism that are openly hostile toward Christianity, but are all transgender people the enemy?
1: No, absolutely not. I think we need to see a lot of these people that are caught up in this as prisoners of war. They have been caught up in the lies and the delusions of culture, the lies of Satan. And they are prisoners that need to be rescued. Yeah, we have some that are openly assaulting and attacking us like you said, but a great many of these people are kids. They're teenagers. They're young men and women who don't know any better and have been lied to. And we need to not see them as the enemy, but as those who are prisoners of war that need to be set free by the gospel of Christ. They need to be set free by the truth of God's word. We need to see them as those in need of rescue and help.
0: What hope can we offer to those who have tragically subjected themselves to the mutilations of transgender surgery or other kinds of chemical treatments?
1: It's heartbreaking to see because we hear more and more stories of these people who have done these things and then they come out of it and say, what have I done? And we don't have any quick fix for that. We can't come to them and say, here's this thing that'll make all of that okay. But we can give them a future hope. We can tell them, look, we know your body can't be fully healed here and now, but in Christ, there's a day coming when your body can be raised up. It can be transformed and it'll be made brand new. And that is a hope I think we need to give these people that through Christ's word, through his very body and blood, they're going to be sustained in the faith and eventually they're going to be raised up whole and new and complete.
0: Pastor Andrew Packer is associate pastor at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Collinsville, Illinois. He's author of a chapter in our forthcoming book, Objections Overruled Three. Andrew, thank you very much. Thank you, Todd. Tuesday on Issues Etc. we'll have Dr. Adam Francisco respond to the argument that the stories of the Bible don't seem real, and we'll look forward to the fourth Sunday in Advent according to the three-year lectionary with Pastor Sean Denzer, And on Wednesday, we'll discuss the Vatican's approval of the blessings for same-sex couples with Pastor Heath Curtis.
1: Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc. Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., P.O. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc. is a production of LPR, Lutheran
0: Public Radio.